Welcome back. Today I am talking to four-time ninja warrior and fitness coach Angela Gargano. I first met Angela three years ago in the US and then last year she flew to London to film as a fit trainer. She also works with Under Armour so we have a lot in common and lots of things to talk about. Angela really is on a mission to encourage women to empower women through strength training and specifically through her pull-up revolution where she is helping women to master their first pull-up and also challenging their mindset around what is possible for themselves, for their bodies and for their lives. Angela really is such a badass who genuinely wants to see other women grow in strength and in confidence. So let's dive in to this week's episode with Angela Gargano. Welcome to the Power Hour. I'm Adrienne Herbert, wellness coach, international speaker and author. Each week, I speak to a variety of guests from business founders to Olympic athletes, leading coaches, change makers, and innovators to find out their daily habits, their rules to live by, and what motivates them to get up out of bed each day. Personally, I am on a mission to encourage, motivate, and inspire. So I hope that the Power Hour will help you to achieve your personal and professional goals. Angela, welcome to the Power Hour podcast. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. I've been excited about this conversation all day. We caught up last week and I was so energized after our conversation. So I really, I know this is going to be a great one and I hope that the listeners are ready for an hour of motivation and just power. I feel exactly the same. After that call, I was fired up because I felt like we had so many things that we were relating on that it was just nice to talk openly with another you know, female like me. Um, about a lot of the things. Yeah, well, we both share a mutual passion, I suppose, for empowering women through movement. And for me, for the last, you know, 10 years, that has been through running, through my own discovery and love of running and sharing that with the community, meeting other runners, like-minded women. And for you, it's been, you know, through strength training and through the content that you share online. So before we dive into our mutual passions and some huge topics we're going to talk about as well today. I would love to take it back for you to give the listeners a little bit of background, a little bit of context. So take us back to Angela at school growing up. Were you always into sports? Were you the sporty one or did that come later in your life? I was definitely always the sporty one. My parents had put me into every sport you can possibly imagine and they wanted me to try them all out. And kind of figure out like which one I liked and that really spoke to me the most. Which I thought was really great that my, my family was able to do that. Um, gymnastics definitely became that one that I became obsessed with. My parents were like, you have to choose which one you're going to do. And I got really, really addicted to flipping around, kind of being really um, courageous in a lot of those moves. I remember when I was uh, when I was actually in my gymnastics class one time, I remember them being like, Angela, you're not ready to do this move. And I was just like, yeah, whatever. And I like tried it anyway. <laughs> and of course, like busted my face and everything. But I just something about it that I just love so much and just kind of like always having those people be like, oh, like, you know, gymnastics was a tough sport. Um, so definitely was always sporty. However, you know, being the sporty one at a young age wasn't really cool back then unfortunately it wasn't really cool to be fit and cool to be strong so I had to overcome a lot of you know you know being bullied being told that I was like a man being told all all sorts of things about my body so it was kind of tough growing up in that sense you know being the strong one again it's cool now but it wasn't cool back then oh my gosh exactly and we're definitely going to get into all of that I just want to 
ask you so when you said you were doing you know you tried loads of different things at a young age which was great you said you know you became you chose gymnastics to pursue I don't know how old were you when you were like in the gymnasium oh man I think I was doing that like when I was in like kindergarten like my, my parents had me right in there Wow. And were you competitive? Because obviously it's a solo thing. So I feel like people who grew up doing team sports versus like a a solo pursuit like gymnastics, I think there's a different kind of, I guess, discipline, dedication that comes with a solo pursuit. So were you competitive? Do you think there was a reason that you you went more towards gymnastics or was it just the fact that you were this courageous, fearless little wanted to just throw yourself around? So although it was like competitive, my parents never wanted me to go into the team where you had to like do gymnastics five or six days a week because they didn't want to take over my life. Although I was like, I want to do that. Like I told them I want to be in that. They wouldn't allow me to do that. So I actually was doing it um, just kind of like recreationally, like three days a week. And I got really, really good recreationally. And that's when everyone was like, you need to be on a team or something or do something with this. So Finally, as I got older, when I got into high school, my parents finally allowed me to go into like a semi team, you know, it wasn't like the the big, like, you know, crazy competitive team. Um, And that allowed me to lead into college gymnastics somehow. Somehow I was able to do that. That's that's not an easy thing to do, especially because a lot of college gymnastics, you know, kids are like chosen, you know, years before they actually get into college. Wow. Yeah. So it's a, it's a huge achievement. And going back to what you said about I guess the pros and the cons. So having this on the one side, something that you're passionate about, that you enjoy, something you're good at, and you want to push yourself, of course, as you said, you're fearless. And then the other side. So you mentioned people commenting, bullying you. It wasn't kind of cool to be into sports and to be strong and to have a strong body as a young woman. And I don't think that really changed until the last, well, in my experience, I'd say in the last maybe eight, nine years, but previously, yeah, of course, you know, women have had so many things, you know, in terms of body image told that we're supposed to, you know, if you look at each decade, we're supposed to be curvy, then we're supposed to be skinny. Now we're supposed to be strong, like through media and through fashion and through beauty standards changing the perception of what is hot and what is cool and what is aspirational and what is goals or whatever has changed. But the body that you have or for example, whether you're naturally tall or naturally slim or naturally short or naturally curvaceous or strong or whatever, that's kind of predetermined, right? So yeah, I guess what was that experience like? And I think there's probably going to be a lot of uh, maybe crossover and similar experiences to, to what I had too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think that again, growing up, everyone was like, you know, you're have a man body. They called me Mangela. I literally hid my body. I didn't want anybody to see it. So you know, it actually became a very lonely place. I was very much alone all the time. You know, I, was, I went into gymnastics and I basically was in my own head in my own little spot, like when I was there on my own time. And then, you know, when I was outside of gymnastics, I was hiding my body. I always had a sweatshirt on. I didn't want anybody to see it. So it became like this, you know, it, it again, wasn't it wasn't cool. I wanted to show people like all the strength and all the cool things I could do. But at the same time, I was also like ashamed of it, which was, which is pretty crazy. Um, And then as I got older, I went into college gymnastics and I assumed that when I went to college that everyone was going to have the same type of body as me. And like, I was going to finally be around people who are actually, you know, understanding what I've been through, but that wasn't the case at all. Still (laughs) when I went to college, it was still the same type of thing. So yeah, it took a while for me to try and, you know, actually really like love and, you know, really like, like my body and want to actually show my body, I don't think it actually 
came to fruition until I started doing um, fitness competitions, which is where you have to show your body on a stage in front of everybody. And it was crazy because it was like I went from not wanting to show my body at all to, okay, I'm going to do this fitness competition where you're walking out in, in the heels and a bikini and they want to see it. And it actually – it wasn't until then where I finally started feeling like good in my own skin and feeling beautiful and feeling feminine. And that's actually why I enjoy doing the fitness comps because there's a lot of bad perception on those. But I really think that it did help me feel feminine in that you know muscular fit body that I have and feel good about it. Wow, that's that's really powerful. But I want to kind of, how did you get from one place to the next? So as you described, you know, if you're feeling like, oh gosh, you know, yeah, people are commenting on my body being too strong, being too masculine. And I just, I'm going to wear just a, a long sleeve top and make sure that nobody sees my arms. And then you're like, okay, this is an arena, like you said, where I'm going to be wearing a bikini. I'm going to be looking ripped. I'm going to celebrate the muscles that I have and show them off. Like, how did you go from the, from one to the other? Well, I think that was like so – I mean, I'm trying to think of like how exactly I finally was like – I think it was just being around others who had similar kind of experiences and, again, celebrated you. I I was surrounding myself with the right people who really celebrated you no matter where you're at in your body. I mean, there was people doing these fitness competitions who would come out and their win wasn't, you know, having a six-pack abs. It was the fact that they were able to lose like, you know – 30 pounds and they feel more confident in their body and they were able to still go out on heels. So everyone was kind of different stages in their body and we all were able to celebrate each other. And I think it wasn't until I had that community around me that I finally was like, all right, you know what? Like I'm going to own my body. This is who I am. I love my strength. I can do some amazing things with my body. Why am I hiding it? Like why? So I really think it was, again, just being surrounded by the right types of people really helped me. Yeah. And you've gone on to be a cover girl. Like literally I saw your cover for, it's an oxygen magazine in the U S and I mean, you look incredible, but to be, yeah, to go from that, what you've just described to being on the cover of a magazine, you know, what would you, I guess, sometimes when I listen to these kind of conversations, it's always in hindsight. So, you know, the person saying, oh, this was really hard then, but then, you know, I, I became more confident. I owned it and it's cool now. Like, obviously we know there's a lot of nuance and ups and downs along the way, but sometimes in hindsight, it can be, I guess it's assuring to hear, but also if you're, someone's listening to this and they're still in that place. So they're in a place where they're insecure in their body. Maybe they're, you know, maybe they want to explore strength training or, or celebrate the strength of their body and what it can do. And also, you know, be proud to, to, of how they look. What would your advice be to them if they're not there yet? Yeah. I mean, it's obviously going to take some time for you to get there. So I totally, I totally understand that. So I don't want anyone to ever feel bad if they're like, I don't get why I'm not there yet. And I don't feel this way with my body, but just learning to love your body in every stage that it's at. You're going to be at different stages in your life. There's going to be different types of your ways that your body is going to be at different like if different times in your life and just learning to love and accept it at all those different stages. Um I'm trying to think of like the best way that like really helped me. I think a lot of it again was just like I mean sometimes I would actually for a while I was I would look into the mirror and just be like I love my body. And I would just say it to myself. And I didn't believe it like most of the time when I was saying that until finally one day I went in and I, I did. I was like, you know what? I do love my body. Like, so it took yeah. a while, but doing those little things a lot of times can go a long way. Hmm. Oh, it's really powerful to hear you. Yeah. Speak about it. So honestly, and something else that I think 
correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like fitness and movement and, and the strength and celebrating the strength of your body is so much a part of your identity. I feel like it's part of literally who you are. It's who Angela is. But I know that, you know, we're going to talk about the fact that you are a four-time ninja warrior, which is insane. Like anyone who's ever seen the show Ninja Warrior, you're probably, if you're anything like me, it's just, oh my gosh, it's amazing. And the fact that you've been on that show four times is incredible. But before we talk all about Ninja Warrior, I know that you've had injuries I know you had a knee surgery and and of course after surgery you have to take time out so how did how did you cope with that because as someone who yeah you love to move your body you love to train you love to push yourself it's part of your identity how did you I guess cope with not being able to do that when suddenly you're injured you have crutches and yeah you just can't go and do a workout yeah so I actually tore my ACL twice (laughs) um so the first time was in college the doctor was like your career is over like you're never gonna flip again literally said that to me and just feeling so defeated and the first time I tore my ACL I definitely let myself sink into it I was in college so you know instead of like doing gymnastics I was like I'm just gonna party more you know I'm just gonna go out I'm just gonna do things that like maybe aren't you know normally what I would do because I didn't know what else to do with myself and my body um, the second time I tore it was a way different experience. So I tore the second one on American Ninja Warrior, literally while I was on the course. I thought so, like live yeah. on TV. Live on TV wow. in front of everybody. I came in being the strongest I've ever been. Everyone was like, this is going to be the next top female. Like people were telling me that. They're like, you are crushing. Like you're strong. I was like, wow, like this is cool. Like I like, I'm going to be the next top female like on American Ninja Warrior. And I went and dismounted off this one obstacle called the wing nuts. And I got through that. And I knew once I got through that that obstacle that I was going to be a top female. I was like, this is going to be amazing. So I made it through the obstacle. And when I landed, tore my ACL, like on the floor, grabbed my knee, ah. whatever. Um, yeah, pretty, pretty crazy. And I definitely got, you know, it went, you went from being a super high to a super low. And I definitely got super depressed. And I, you know, I felt like I was going to get kind of stuck in that area until I talked to some mentors. And they're like, you know, you can feel this, feel the pain that you have now. But they're like, do not get stuck here. Just do not get stuck here. You're allowed to feel what you're feeling. Um, And then finally, I was able to kind of come out of my shell with it all when I realized that as I was posting that I was still working out after recovering from my surgery, people were messaging me saying, you have inspired me to keep going. You've inspired me. And it may not have been an ACL situation I had, right? And once they were telling me that they, I was inspiring them, I realized I have a way – this is a way bigger thing than I thought. This is not about me. This is not about me tearing my ACL. This is about – like my purpose was to show that you can overcome this injury and come back stronger and that during something when you're down, you can still find an opportunity to become stronger and become better. So I feel like that was a life-changing moment for me personally because it became so much less about me. And so much more about I can help others if I if I'm strong and I stay strong, others can also become strong from what I'm doing. So I think that that was yeah a major part um, of of my life, and I definitely think that I learned to work around things. Right, you can't use your leg, no problem. You got your arms, right? You got your abs, right? You can still work on mindset. There's so many things you can work on and become stronger from. And I think sometimes when one thing happens to somebody, they get so down the dumps that everything falls apart. But what about those other things that you could work on that maybe you couldn't have worked on before because you were so focused on, you know, just just the athletic piece of it. So I think that um, there's just so much opportunity that is can be had from something that is defeating and brings you down. You can just learn so much from it. For sure. There's two things then I was thinking about as you were talking. The first one, the service of others part, you know, when you said, okay, 
other people kind of saying, wow, Angela, you know, you're a badass. You've got this massive thing around your knee. I'm seeing you with your crutches, you know, crushing it in the gym. Cause I definitely saw some of those videos too. And I do think that there's something that happens in the, in the brain, right? In our minds, when we know we're doing something just for ourselves, you know, there's nobody else, there's no audience, there's no one going to benefit from it. Yeah, of course, there's merit in doing things for yourself. But as soon as you're doing something for somebody else, it really does. It just changes your energy, your the mood, like everything changes. And I think we mentioned at the top of the show how for you it's strength training, for me it's running. And I think about the fact that for so many runners who I know when they're training for a race or they sign up and they're running for a charity, especially if you, for example, I've worked with charities before, one in particular where I actually met a family who the charity work with. And so it was a family with a young girl and, and she had an illness and I was running to raise money for that charity. And just meeting that girl, you know, she was eight years old and meeting her family and knowing that most of their daily life actually revolved around, you know, caring and managing for her and her illness. And at eight years old, she was, I mean, the things that she had to do on a daily, weekly basis in terms of, you know, different procedures and pain management. And she was so brave and courageous. And this girl, like, she was amazing. And meeting her, of course, you know, it was so impactful. But when I was training, there was days when it's like, oh gosh, I've got to go and do this run or I've got to do, you know, 14 miles and it's cold or whatever. And you're like, oh my gosh, get a grip, Adrienne, because that girl, what she's having to do every single day is so much harder than a 14 mile run. She is having to do so much more than you and she's eight years old. So just get on with it. And it's almost like, as well as feeling, you know, it's a great thing to be able to do things that help others or raise money or raise awareness or inspire people. But do you know what I mean with that energy that feels like, you feel invincible. You feel like you can literally do anything when you're doing it and you know the impact is going to help other people. Oh, absolutely. I think that that's, I mean, that's like, I feel like my purpose isn't just life right now. It's always helping other people. Like it really is. It's like, how can I show you that, that you, you have that strength that you didn't know you had? Like that's, I feel like that's such a powerful thing. And if I can be that for somebody, then like, I feel like I've, I've won. Well, you definitely are that for a lot of people, which we know through your programs. So you have uh, a pull-up revolution and you have Strong Feels Good. I want to hear all about both. But firstly, you know, pull-ups, I think we've talked a little bit about body image. I think pull-ups for women, they're either like this, like unachievable, super scary, like, oh my gosh, there's no way I could do, you know, pull-up or or five or 10. And then also I think they've just kind of, I don't know, I think they've just been positioned as this really tough intimidating badass thing like if you you know doing pull-ups but you've kind of made a whole movement around teaching people to to do pull-ups obviously from a technical perspective but also the empowerment of how good it feels and why they should so can you talk to us about pull-ups why is it the pull-up revolution what's that all about and yeah tell us about the women that you've helped with that oh for sure so i mean way back in the day i actually used to own a gym so a lot of the females would come to me in person and be like, I want to get a pull-up. It was always their goal to get a pull-up. And I absolutely love that because I feel like it's something super fun to work towards. And it's not a goal where you're coming in and you're like, I want to lose weight and I want to do this. It's a different goal. It's like, I want to get stronger, right? I want to fit stronger. And by doing that, I'm going to feel really, really good. So started helping a ton of women, women do that. Realized that in this space right now, there is just, it's so intimidating for females to learn pull-ups. And Anything that you look up online is like always like kind of like a guy doing it or something like that. They don't really break it down, make it fun, make it seem achievable. It always still seems like super intimidating. So I was like, all right, I'm going to be that person that in between that really helped people finally crush 
and get their pull up because I've seen what happens. It is not just about you getting that chin over the bar, like at all. It is about the entire process, right? It's about you standing there at the beginning, looking at this bar, jumping up and being like, there's literally no way I'm going to be able to pull my entire body weight up. And then you finally doing it after staying consistent and just working towards the highs and lows. It's literally like it's life. That's life, right? Life is working through the highs and lows. So is getting through the pull up, right? And then you finally do get the chin above the bar and everything else in the world that seemed not possible is suddenly possible to you. So it's literally not just about the pull up at all. Um, it, we had talked about this the other day. I really do feel like it changes your life once you get that. Like once you get your pull up, everything else is more possible. It's, it's like, why not? You know, why not me? Why can't I get that? So um, hmm. yeah, creative pull up revolution online, um, especially this is actually before the pandemic. Uh, so I, I was actually teaching, you know, females pull ups online before that. And I was actually able to teach um, Liz Plosser, who's actually the editor of uh, Women's Health. I got to teach her how to do her pull up. She needed to get it in 14 days. Um, and wow, it was super cool to see with her as well, just the confidence she got when she finally did get it in the 14 days. And I just talked to her the other day and she, you know, now she can crank out like 10 of these. Right. And she's like, Angela, it's pretty crazy. Like, you know, I worked really hard towards this goal and I was able to get it. And she's like, now if I don't do pull-ups for a little while, she's like, I can still jump up in the bar anytime and do them. Like it's still there. It still stays with me. And because of that, she was able to go on and be confident in, oh, you know what? Maybe I can work on other things like learn how to work on a kettlebell swing or run a marathon. There's just so many things that came with just getting that that first pull up. Um, so for me, I feel like, again, it's such a powerful thing and it's so much more than just getting a pull up. So that's what I love. Like before and after pictures are great. Before and after pull ups are way cooler and just way more powerful to me. <laughs> I love that. I literally got goosebumps when you're saying, you know, more becomes possible for yourself and for your life. That is what it's all about, right? So for me, yes, it might be, okay, when I say to someone, if you can run one mile today, why, you know, then you're going to be able to run one and a half, then you're going to be able to run two. And yeah, a marathon feels like for a lot of people, myself included, when I first started even thinking about that, it felt impossible. But you're right, you can transfer that confidence that comes like, I always say confidence is not a it's not a personality trait it's not something that you're born with it's like that muscle you can flex it you can grow it you can practice and cultivate it and I just think yeah for people listening if you if you feel I don't know sometimes again it's you can listen to these conversations and in the moment people might say to me oh you know I felt so motivated when I listened to that but then it doesn't stay with them you know that confidence piece and so I do think there's something about action physical action doing something hard you know hard things whether that's running pull up something physically hard that once you overcome it once you achieve like you said that transition of wow okay the switch in your mind that's like what next what next like why not me I love when you said that why not me what can I do next so I really want people to hear that and to maybe think about you know start a a challenge that you find difficult what pick something physical and you know how do people really start so I know you have um you have an online program is that right you have videos if someone's like yeah okay maybe maybe that's the challenge they want they want to do a pull-up and they don't know where to start where do they start what's your advice to them I always tell people to, to honestly just start by hanging on the bar because you're, you're not able, you're not going to be able to do a pull up if you can't hang on the bar, right? So I literally just tell people mm-hmm. get go on a bar and just hang on it, hang out, hang out, literally hang out, legitimately go on the bar, hang out, move around a little bit, get kind of comfortable. Just start there. You, you literally just got to start there and getting feeling more comfortable with it, and then slowly 
you can start building up the strength to actually pulling yourself up. But step one is literally just jump on the bar and hang. It's just like when, when we talk about the gym, right? Like, how do I get started working out, right? It's like, just go to the gym. Just go there. You don't even have to work out. <laughs> yeah. Get there. Get there. Stretch a little bit. Foam roll. I don't know. Walk around a little bit. Just get your body physically there and do that. And I think starting there is going to be, you know, th- once you start hanging and, and it kind of becomes fun, you know, then then your next step is like, oh, cool. Can I can I bend my elbows a little bit? Like, can I get up there? And then slowly but surely, you'll be able to get yourself up there. Amazing. And can you tell us a little bit about uh, Strong Feels Good? Because I feel like with all the things we've talked about, you know, you you obviously have a passion for, yeah, moving and training yourself. But what is Strong Feels Good all about? And who have you helped with that? Yeah, so I created Strong Feels Good because, um, so honestly, for myself, when I was doing this stuff with um, with fitness competitions, I became pretty obsessed with my weight. So I was always thinking like, I want to be 115. That was like always my number. Like I want to be 115. I want to be 115. I'm really obsessed with my weight. And when I hit my 115 goal, I was super weak and miserable. I wasn't eating enough. I was pretty deprived. I wasn't like actually like working on getting like myself stronger. And then I shifted my focus when I got in a Ninja Warrior into I need to get stronger because it doesn't matter what your weight is. You just got to be able to get through the obstacles, right? You got to be able to actually climb and use your strength. And I realized once I started doing that, I didn't focus on I, – I, I just ate to fuel my body and I moved to make sure that I was strong and capable of doing things. I realized that my weight was actually higher. It was 126 and I was actually – finally looked better and felt amazing. And I realized that, wow, strong really does feel good. It feels good and it also looks good, right? So strong feels good became mm-hmm. that concept. That's the whole reason I created it. And it's basically for anybody who's like really sick and tired of this whole like diet culture, lose weight, all that craziness and is ready to like be in something where they're they're working towards getting stronger. That is their main goal. It's a complete shift in like maybe anything that you've ever done before. So everyone who comes to the program, we start with a strength test to see where you're at right now. And every month you do that strength test again and you try and beat yourself. And it's all about, you know, that internal competition with yourself and becoming stronger. And along that whole journey, you become, again, you look better, you feel better. All this stuff is, is amazing. So Strong Feels Good is really that program that is just, it's, it's for people who are like, I'm super sick of this whole like, I want my bikini body. I want to lose this many pounds. Like, nah, like over that. <laughs> let's get strong. <laughs> yes. And let's have progression and let's have performance. Like you say, performance goal, like have something that you're like, I can't do this. And now I can, or I couldn't do this, should I say, and now I can. And so with Ninja Warrior, you know, we kind of talked about it, touched on it. I'm still like, when my son and I watch that show, we love it so much that when we go to the park, we have a park near us, sometimes we play Ninja Warrior. So we'll kind of make a little assault course. It's like, okay, you need to do the monkey bars. You've got to get to the zip wire. Then you've got to run to the fence. Like we kind of time each other. I'll say, right, you did it in 90 seconds. You've got to do it again. And sometimes if there's no one else there, we get so into it. But I feel like if there's other kids or other parents there, Jude's like embarrassed and he's like mom shh and I'm like come on I'm like and I kind of I try and be the commentator like it's a whole thing so I'm really really into this show four times you've been on the show and I want to I well maybe you'll be going back on again but can you tell us what that experience was like in terms of how do you even prepare for that do you know the obstacles and the courses and the things that are going to be on the course before you go into it like tell us everything so first off, like the first time I got on the show, like I wasn't even, it was a total accident, like getting on the show. I had never even watched the show and I never even like done Ninja. And somebody was like, there's a show, there's like, you got to put in an application. We know you've been a college gymnast, like, and we're really good at the uneven bars. You'd probably be good at this. So 
after some convincing, I finally was like, fine, I'll put in an application. Got the call back for the show and was like, oh my God, like I need to figure out how to ninja. <laughs> like, and you had like two weeks to figure, like it was like two weeks before the show was actually like happening. So I was like, I really need to figure this out like now. So actually the first thing I did was um, people actually create like ninja warrior courses, like in their backyards or like outside. So I was able to find some people to help me with that and just like teach me how to do like, you know, the basics, like lache from bar to bar, um, do the salmon ladder, um, all sorts of stuff like that. So they were able to teach me all of that. Then the next couple of times I was actually way more prepared because I started to fall in love with the show and I was able to go to actual ninja gyms and, you know, they were able to walk us through like different pieces of the course. And a couple of things that you need to know about ninja is like, you need to be able to hang, obviously like have good grip strength. And you need to have agility. Um, you can notice mm-hmm. like any of the balance obstacles are always some kind of like fast agility obstacle. Um, and you also want to have like super powerful, you know, be super powerful on your legs, be able to get like up the work wall. Um, so there's a couple different things that we had to do in order to, to, to get there. So it was really just training those different aspects with Ninja. Um, before you get there, you do not know anything about the course. You know nothing. They don't tell you anything. They don't want you. They actually like you know, they, it's, it's funny because for a while when they were filming them outside, people would like kind of try and sneak around while they were building up the course so we can kind of get an idea. Um, so people had like had binoculars and we'd be like trying to figure it out. And it was crazy <laughs> because they would figure it out. They would go, I swear to you, within two days, people would build the obstacles at a different gym down the street that they saw. And we would like kind of have a replica wow. of them. Like, but this is because people were sitting in the woods with their binoculars, like spying on them. Um, so we still never had a full idea until you actually get there. Um, and you only get to run the course once. So once you get there, like, it's like you go, if you fall, you're out, that's it. Like there's no, so it's, it's pretty, it's pretty intense once you get there. Yeah. This sounds amazing. Honestly, I have the biggest smile on my face, Angela. I don't have the upper body strength to be able to take on Ninja. I did used to be a dancer. So sometimes I feel like part of me is like, well, there's a couple of things, but I definitely think when people watch that show at home, they're like, it just looks easier than it is. You know, the reality that most people probably can't do the monkey bars that sitting on their couch, they're like, I could definitely do this. You're like, really? Um, but the whole thing just sounds, you know what it reminds me of the hunger games, you know, the hunger games movies. (laughs) When I watch those, I'm like, I want to be in some kind of, yeah, there's some arena where you're going to have to do this, like fire and obstacles and just, Oh, it just sounds so badass. I think in another life, if I have another life, I want to be a stunt person. So if I, if I, could conquer my kind of terrible swimming and like water then I would probably want to do that but yeah that's something oh my gosh Angela I have two friends actually that do stunts have you ever done stunts because you should do that that could be your next career move yeah I mean I've actually done some stunts and I have like two of my close close friends are like really well-known stuff doubles um yeah I, I love the stunt stuff and I'm super like you know I feel like I'm an adrenaline junkie so I kind of love that stuff yeah, well, you said you're fearless. So I just came to my mind. I was like, oh my gosh, she should be a stunt woman. <laughs> so looking for, looking, you know, the year ahead, obviously we're at the start of a new year. I think you're similar to me in the sense of, you know, setting goals, setting challenges, being quite, you know, self-motivated at the start of a year to kind of take on new things. So what are you most excited about when you look forward to 2022? Oh, wow. Well, I mean, I think I'm most excited about, like, I feel like this year for me is about simplifying things. Like, really simplifying what I have right now and really just focusing on that. And um, also like, I'm really excited to, I was telling you this more, like doing more stuff on camera, talking more about my experience so that I can, again, continue to help others. 
So I feel like that I'm really excited for that. And I'm also really excited for, I just told you, I'm moving to Texas like this week. Um, so I'm excited to be in a really good environment where I feel really, really good. And there's amazingly supportive people here who are all trying to uplift you and get you where you want to be. So I'm really excited about that. Oh, that's great. That does sound exciting. And I love that, you know, change, whether that's changing, moving to a new city or a new job or a new school or whatever, can be you know, it can be a challenge for a lot of people and it can be nervous, intimidating, but actually I love that you're like, yeah, I'm moving to a new place. It's going to be really exciting. That's, that's really cool. I hope for anyone who's got a big change or a big challenge coming up this year that they uh, can take some of your energy and enthusiasm into that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Hopefully, you know, I, I really like been very strong about like setting those new year's goals. I mean, I think you and I might've talked to like, I just made my vision board of everything out on there that I want to achieve. And I'm really making sure that I'm leaning into my word for this year was alignment and really making sure that everything that I'm doing really does feel in alignment. So that might mean saying no to things, right? Um, and it, mm-hmm. and saying by saying no to those things that like aren't really serving you or not in the right place, you're going to say yes to everything else that is supposed to come into your life. Oh, I love it. Angela, you and I were speaking the same language because I do think there's people in January that kind of go, oh, roll their eyes. They're like, okay, these New Year's resolution people, these goal setting people. But ultimately, I just can't see a way in terms of, as you just described, not just about the things you want to do, but actually simplifying so that that you can be focused. Because that is, I really think... For people right now, I think it is a superpower to be able to be focused and to be able to eliminate distractions. I talked about this in in a short episode of the show recently. I said, what are you going to say no to and what are you going to cut out? You know, we've got to cut things out and take things off our list in order to really focus on the things that fulfill us, give us energy, things we're passionate about. So we're so on the same page with that. 
For sure. And I love that you said all that. I really do feel like the most successful people have a really good, solid morning routine. Um, and for me, like, so mine is, my morning is is for me, for sure. So I normally wake up around like 6 a.m., like honestly, and I just kind of take my time with it. But when I get up, the first thing that I do is I grab my journal. Um, I journal every morning. Lately, I've actually been journaling um, and talking, like writing as if things have happened and as if things like everything went right, right? What if everything that you're like, you're stressed about and worried about went right? So I've actually been journaling that in the morning. So all the things and if they, if when they go well, I'm going to say when they go well instead. Um, then I write my stresses, my three gratitude. And then I do something called the CTA FAR method, which is a way to shift your, um, your negative thoughts into positive thoughts. Because I feel like a lot of those things come in. So I really spend the morning, a good amount of the morning right away, just writing everything down and just spilling everything out onto paper. And then I always have like kind of mantras that I write at the end of that. Like I always write things like I am enough, like I am going to make it big. And I don't exactly know what some of those mean sometimes, but I always write them and I say them out loud. Um, So that's the first thing I do. Second thing I do after that is I read. And for me, I'm a very slow reader. So I was always stressed out that people were reading so many more books than me. And I'm like, oh, like I just have such a hard time with it. So I just open a book and I say, I'm going to read like a few pages, something like it may take me forever to finish this book, but I'm going to read a few pages of it, of it. And I'm going to, I'm going to get that done. Um, after that, I go right into meditation. So I personally use headspace. I put the daily meditation on for that. I sit down, I breathe, I take a second. And then I also start to picture what my perfect day would look like. Um, I know it seems like a lot, but this is like a really great way for me to like get my day going. And then after that, I always, you know, make my bed because you got to make your bed. I feel like that's the perfect way to structure your day and complete the first task of the day. And then I go down and I drink two full glasses of water. Um, Just that's literally just always how my routine has been. And it's shifted throughout the years because before I used to try and meditate first right in the morning. But a lot of times my mind was rushing and everything was like, you know, clustered if I meditated before I journaled. So I start to shift things around. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to journal first, get everything dumped out then do my reading, then sit down. My head's emptied out. I can now meditate for real. And then I have the water because you need water. Um, and that's really, that's what my morning routine like always, always looks like. It's, uh, yeah, it's been very, that's my time and nobody's allowed to bother me during that time. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And I feel like if you have a, a morning routine like that, as you're describing it, I was like thinking, okay, when it comes to later on in your day, for example, when you have to make a decision, or like you said, when you have to decide about a yes or a no, or you just go into something, whether it's a, a work meeting, a, whatever it is, training, I feel like having spent that time journaling, thinking, reflecting, as you said, those affirmations of what would the perfect day be like? There's something really powerful, I think, about doing that at the start, and then almost... <laughs> I don't even know how to describe it, but you know how athletes will talk about visualization. They visualize something so much that when they actually step onto the track or they step onto the court, it's almost like they're just acting out what they've what they've created in their mind. And I really think there's something in that that is so powerful. As much as people often will ask me, oh, Adrienne, you know, the mornings are really, you know, busy. I don't want to get up early. Can I just do this stuff before I go to bed? You know, that before I go to bed, can I just do it then? Of course you can. And there is some, I'm sure, merit in doing that, you know, reflecting back, but you can't change what's happened in the day when you reflect back and say, oh, this went well, or I could have done that better, or I'm grateful for this moment or this person, or the moment has gone. Whereas I definitely think doing what you described first, do you ever feel like later on in the day, you're like, yes, this is what I've 
kind of created and now I'm, do you know what I mean? Not acting it out, but just like living it out. Oh, absolutely. I I definitely think that like, and you know, you may not, you may not believe it and you may, this may not, you might like sneak that, see some of these things come to fruition until for a while. But once you're consistent with this process, like you can't just do it once like type of thing. Like once you're consistent with the process, you will a hundred percent feel like you're ready for when anything comes your way. Or it won't be feel so surprising when when the good things do come your way. Because why not? Again, what if everything goes right? You know, I feel like so many times we always think, what if things go wrong? What if everything goes right that you were thinking about? You know what I mean? Um, and I totally agree. I visualize. Yes. I used to visualize for gymnastics all the time. Like I would sit down and, and picture my routine over and over again. And um, when I really felt and believed it, it happened. Wow. Thank you, Angela, because I'm going to take the words you just said. I'm actually going to write them down. What if everything goes right? Because we all sometimes, you know, I'm excited about the things that are coming up for me in my life at the moment and this year. But there's often a time I'm like, oh, my gosh, what about this? Or oh, what about that? And you do think of the not the worst case scenario, but you kind of think if it doesn't go to plan, this could happen, that could happen. But what if it all goes right? I love that. I mean, you know that like I've been, you know, I'm, I'm still in the works of, with a partnership that I'm really excited about. And like, I'm all worried about it and stressed about it. And I'm like, why am I stressing? Like, what if it goes right? What if it's fine? Like, what am I stressing about? (laughs) Yes. Thank you so much, Angela. This conversation has been great. I know the listeners of the show are going to love it. So if they're listening and they want to find you, find out more about your pull-up revolution or your videos or follow you online, where can they get all of your info? Oh, yeah. So I would definitely go to, um, just go to my Instagram at Angela, A-N-G-E-L-A underscore Gargano, G-A-R-G-A-N-O. You can feel free to message me at any time, but everything is on there. Um, Pull up revolution, strong feels good. Or if you ever just want to send me a message and if this resonated with you, anything that you heard in this podcast, like I always love when people reach out and they're like, that really helped me. Um, that's, that's what we're here for. You know, again, I really do want to help others um, with anything that's going on in their life. So feel free to message me at any time. Awesome. Thank you so much. And we'll also put links in the show notes as well. So yeah, for sure, if you have enjoyed this conversation or you know somebody else that would also benefit benefit from hearing it, then please do share it with them. That is how the Power Hour grows. That is how we reach more people and grow this community and book more incredible guests like Angela. So please do let us know. You can rate and review the show, all of that good stuff and have an awesome week. Stay Have an awesome week and stay safe. Thank you so much, Angela. Thank you. See you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.